It is Friday, April 3rd, 2020. Coming up, we've reached the B-side of the Now That's What I Call Madness, Volume 1. Our last eight matchups and Chris Farron, singer, songwriter, podcaster extraordinaire, all that stuff. He joins to help break down the matchup and make his picks. Plus, LaMelo Ball, but a basketball team? That's right, we're talking about it. This is The Tune-Up. Welcome on into the show. My name is Denny Gallagher, and I'm joined by the snare campaign provocateur. There's no fake problems here. It's Benny Horowitz. Oh, nice. What's one. up, dude? That was all. That, that was, that on, was the on the fly, fly not dude. written down. That was on the fly. It was nice. So as I was just explaining to you, the lovely Chris Barron, who took me out on one of the first U.S. tours that Gaslight Anthem ever did in like 2006, when he was uh, like 19 years old. So we've known each other a long time. He's a beautiful person. A funny anecdote about that tour is, you know, this is the early days, way before money was anywhere near me. And I used to, you know, especially as a vegetarian, is slim pickings out there in the road, especially in, in the early days when, you know, that stuff wasn't really, uh, you know, widely around. And fake problems were like all really handsome, young, skinny kids who at places like an IHOP or something would order full meals, complete meals with lots of stuff, and they'd never finish. So after like two weeks of touring with those guys, I started getting a little Jersey sketchy. <laughs> and I'd be like, I'd be like, yeah, yeah, yeah let me just get like, uh, I'll get some toast, you know, or like something like that. And I just waited out. <laughs> until fake problems didn't finish their food and just start cleaning plates. So thanks for that, you know. Oh, Appreciate it, Chris. They fed you. Now he's here to feast today. It's going to be good. That's coming up in a few <laughs> minutes. All right, Benny. It is being reported that LaMelo Ball, you know, Lonzo's brother, LaVar Ball's youngest child, you know, he's played uh, this past season at for the Illawarra Hawks in Australia. Um, and the, you know, the team after his, his season hit some financial troubles and he's offered to buy the team. Benny, kind of multiple layers of things going on here. Number one, do you like a 19 year old owning a sports team? Kind of seems like a Disney Channel original movie. And number two, do you think that with a sound ownership and the big baller plan for everything that this could be a hotbed for future high school basketball players to go to skip college or the G League? I do think this is you know, sort of stunning in the idea that a 19-year-old will have his name uh, and an ownership structure on the team. He's also doing it with his, you know, uh, financial manager and stuff. So there's obviously going to be, you know, throngs of people that he's going to hire and employ to ensure the financial side of this stuff. I mean, someone like him can get the money from a bunch of different places. The thing I don't want people to be hypocrites about is like, who gets to determine who owns a team? And like, I, you know, the fact that a 19 year old who just played 12 games in this league, <laughs> you know what I mean? Is literally going to turn around and own the team. People are going to have some sort of problem with it. But if it was like some guy who just, you know, went to college and, uh, started some fucking hedge fund and by like 31 was uber fucking rich this guy would apparently be uh, qualified to own a team just because 
that person has made X amount of money doing one thing and this person's made X amount of money another way. I mean, he's legacy money at this point, too. There's Is money he? in his family. I think there's money in his family now. You know what I mean? Lonzo's bills are coming in. Listen, they're selling some shit. You they can have borrow a lot of money these going days. around. Yeah, and he knows the right people to borrow from. But he made an impact in that community. He averaged 17, 7, and 7 while he was playing. During the wildfires, he gave up a month of his salary, you know, endearing himself to the local community. And this was the first season that any high level prospect didn't go to college and went to Australia. You know, between him and RJ Hampton, you have two potential lottery picks that went to Australia this season. So the idea that this isn't smart, and literally the year after the first time in history, two major prospects coming to the Australian League, you're going to own a team. You don't think there's going to be some other players who are going to follow some cash to Australia. Imagine that his team will give you the uh, uh, the most eyes on him because it's LaMelo Ball's basketball team, and some people might follow suit. Um, so I really don't have any problem with it, and I'm trying to disassociate this kid from his dad because a lot of people have fucked up dads who are annoying. Uh, and this guy's is particularly annoying. And I'm glad he's sort of out of the day-to-day narrative of things, you know, and intentionally. Um, so if you told me like any 19 year old, you know, made his own cash or created his own cash and got a bunch of people interested and bought his own fucking basketball team. Good on you, man. Well, that's really where this is, is interesting. I want to know, Who's providing the money for this? Because technically, he hasn't... I mean, yes, yes, he has the salary from this team last year, uh, but he hasn't been drafted yet. He hasn't had all that payday that comes with the NBA. So if he is borrowing, right, that's one thing. But I'm, I'm interested to see who else is in this in- investor group because it could ver- very well be a front for private equity to just come in, uh, the, you know, they see a, a team that's down, and then next thing you know, Nike owns this entire league and uh, as a way to kind of surpass the NCAA. So I think that I know I, I just brought up a lot of different alternatives in like one theory, but I just think it's an interesting thing to see who else is involved in this ownership group. Yeah, for sure. And, and that's the thing. I mean, like, uh, he'll, he'll find it. And he's going to get it. And his team's in trouble. And it's probably a low cost anyway. So, yeah. Uh, maybe it's his brother. Who knows? <laughs> <laughs> All right. Because we've reached the hypothetical halfway point of this podcast, because it's definitely not the halfway point, but for the sake of, you know, of this bit, we'll do it. It's time for a dollar slice take of the week. I didn't invent the thing, but maybe I can promote the thing a little bit. Let's talk a little bit about bidets. <laughs> you know, with everything going on, this uh, American-style toilet paper shortage, which I think could be solved if everyone just went to single-ply for a few months. You know what I mean? Old school. You disconnect your double-ply, and you get two rolls of toilet paper in one. Follow I don't up. know if anyone's ever been that cheap. I, I have a quick follow-up. What about people that have hemorrhoids? Like, what are they I, supposed I to do? Wipes? Can't comment. Can't comment. <laughs> Never had them. I apologize if you do. I'm sure it's treacherous. We don't mean to but offend I have the to abstain you from this because I just I don't know enough about it. But you know, demolition can 
Demolition Man came out. We never found out what the three seashells did. We never learned how to clean our butts with that. But this is one of those things that just seems like the silliest of problems to me. It's like if the world had a water shortage, sure, freak out. Food shortage, sure, freak out. Any number of things. All you need to do to fix this problem is put water on your ass. That's it. And maybe do one extra towel cleaning a day. That's all you need. So I think everybody should take whatever money they have left over this and invest in bidet companies because I'm pretty sure that's the next revolution. Your your toilet is literally connected to running water right next to your sink, right next to your tub. Everyone relax. Buy a bidet. Clean your butt with water. What if, you know, to solve two problems here because there's like a tissue shortage and a toilet paper shortage, what if we just bring back the handkerchief? Fine. <laughs> I do it all the time. Listen, I'm so invested in something like this that my wife and I even attempted non-disposable diapers. Damn. I've literally scraped the shit out of cotton a hundred times. So if anyone can, can attest to uh, cleaning your butt with cloth, it's me. It's not that bad. <laughs> well, my dollar slice take of the week <laughs> I'm just gonna, not going to touch that with a 10-foot pole. My dollar slice take of the week is, you know, I've brought up before on here about the lines at the grocery store. And I think it's time, now Now that we're getting a little bit more established in the current situation, I think grocery stores should have a fast pass line. And what do I mean by this? I mean you go okay. onto their app and you schedule the time that you want to go into the grocery store. And, you know, if, if you want to go at, at 1 o'clock, you go on at 12.30. You, you save yourself standing in line. You save yourself uh, being out of the house, risking all sorts of infection. Grocery store fast pass. I think this could work. So, wait. Are you the only person in the store when this is happening? No, 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 no. They let, like, six, like, the six people that they're letting in a small grocery store at a time. So, it's like they save six spots, and you sign up for the 1 o'clock spot, the one fifteen spot, however long you need. What are we given time-wise here? Well, 15 minutes. A hard 15. I love it because it's reminded me <laughs> of supermarket. Of show. Sweep. Yeah, it's just I feel supermarket sweep is coming. Everyone's gonna go straight to the toilet paper aisle. Take two. Ah! This so whole crazy. plan is designed so that you know because I feel like we already knew this already, but Guy Fieri is gonna survive the apocalypse, and you know he knows how to with guys supermarket games or whatever the heck they call it. He's been preparing for this since like 2012. That's a good point. I like this idea. I think it could work. Joining us on the line now is a man who needs no introduction, but for the sake of this, we're going to give it to him anyway. Musician, podcaster, overall international man of mystery. It's Chris Farron. What's up, dude? Hey, how are you? Nice to meet you. Absolutely. Nice to meet you as well. Hi, Chris. I love you. Hi, Hi Benny. <laughs> oh, Benny and Denny. Yeah. Isn't that interesting? Isn't it fun? That <laughs> well, is fun. Chris. Is it, just like in general, is it hard for you to judge other people's songs when you pen perfect ones? You know what, thank you so much for asking. Um, <laughs> and yes, of course it is. <laughs> <laughs> it must be very difficult. Yeah, I, yeah. You know what's also funny, Chris? I realized I'm listening back to the last two episodes of Going Off Track, and you seem to come up in, like, every single one. 
What can so, I say? Yeah, you either really have just your tentacles in a lot of worlds and parts of culture, or I'm hyper-obsessed with you. I'm not... <laughs> is it you that brings me up every time? <laughs> yeah, yeah, it is. All right. So I think we found the common denominator. Yeah, so we better hang out soon. Yeah. Or maybe we'll just get an apartment together, you know? Yeah, I'm in. Okay. <laughs> How's Los Angeles right now? Is it weird? Oh, what, what would possibly be weird? Everything's great. <laughs> I've been walking around, going to the big religious gatherings, <laughs> getting elective dental surgery, all <laughs> sorts of stuff. Everything's business as usual over here at my house. Yeah, that's good. <laughs> Wait, did I see that you guys did the last back to the back to the island? It's okay, over? It's, no, no, we are, we are on the last season. Oh, I see. Okay. Yeah, yes. yes Danny, yes. you were a big Wasp fan, though. Not really, but I, you know, I dabble. I dabble. I dabble. <laughs> yeah. Someone told me the end before I saw the beginning, so I never started, you know? <laughs> That you're so lucky. You you saved yourself a world of hurt. Yeah, it's rough. But you know, my my wife tends to pick through uh, medical drama. Oh. So so instead of like nine seasons of Lost or whatever happened there, I get like nineteen of Grey's Anatomy or something oh. like that. Cause my, it's... my my wife is a big uh, Grey's head herself so oh, maybe they've seen each other in the chat rooms yeah maybe yeah they're it's... secretly doing a podcast about Grey's anatomy that you guys don't even know about yeah probably listen i'll never understand it man at night after a certain time i'm trying to like check out from a certain level of reality like the <laughs> the horrors of like open heart surgery right losing loved ones uh making powerful and impactful decisions about other people's lives like i don't want to see that at like 9 45 you know no i'm no. i'm like paul rudder bust by that time <laughs> yeah so i thought that you, that you were going to bring up the cues here benny and have the perfect segue into talking about pet sounds versus thriller but i guess this awkward transition is going to have to do our first matchup on the docket <laughs> here the beach boys pet sounds going into michael jackson's thriller chris who do you like here for me, I have to say, not even just because of the uh, historical problems with Michael Jackson, <laughs> yes, but but it doesn't help him. Uh, I, I have to go with Pet Sounds because I just that record has always been kind of uh, influential to me, and I uh, I just really like it. What parts of that record do you think influenced you? Um. I think the like the kind of the vastness of it and like mm. the kind of like limitlessness feeling it has. Sure. Uh, sure. And the the idea like that there's stuff that shouldn't sound good in it that <laughs> that just somehow works. Right. Right. And like maybe stuff that is like musically incorrect that is still like beautiful. And yeah. I think that that's kind of an inspiring thing to do. Or to to hear as a you know as a songwriter and definitely just like one of the one of my favorite things to do in general is just to record music and so Pet Sounds is like the ultimate like recorded album I feel like yes yes that's a hundred percent true yeah. did you see we've brought it up a number of times on the podcast did you see the 
John Cusack playing Brian Wilson picture? I did. What, what, thoughts? I liked the parts that were not John Cusack. <laughs> <laughs> Big Paul Giamatti fan. <laughs> yeah, and I liked uh, what's what's the what who what's the guy's name who plays the younger uh, John Cusack? Oh, what's his uh, name? No Paul idea. Dano. Paul oh Dano. yeah, Dano. Dano. I good. thought yeah. all that stuff was interesting because that was also like them making pet sounds. A lot of it. Yeah, sure. What what was your issue with Cusack? Maybe it was. It might not even be Cusack himself. It was just the that that storyline. Even though obviously it's like reality. Or, you know, based on reality, was just kind of like I don't, I don't want to watch this part. I don't like. Yeah, it. yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. This is no fun. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know. John Cusack has a little bit of a John Cusack problem, maybe. You know. That's true. Yeah. Yeah. He's, he's just always John Cusack. I just can't, yeah. I I see Runaway Jury. I see better. Like I, I think Cusack should stay in like the Runaway Jury. Like, right. That's where you should stay from now on, right. maybe. Yeah. Yeah. I kind of I mean, like that movie, though. Hackman? Hackman? <laughs> <laughs> Chris, we've brought up a bunch on this pod, you know, how different areas impact sound and stuff like that. And no, rec- uh, no artist really captures an area more than the Beach Boys capture California. Since you've moved to L.A. and California, how have you found that that's kind of seeped into your music? Oh, and I am something of a king of California now. Um, I would say, I don't know. That's a good question. I definitely spend a lot more time outside. Um, who knows if that affects my music in any way, but like I, coming from Florida, I would just, you know, be desperately trying not to ever be outside because it's so <laughs> fucking disgusting outside all the time. <laughs> Uh, so maybe a little bit of the open air helps me. And, you know, I know so many more famous people and I have so many more uh, connections in the industry. So that's really helped me out too. I feel like it's boosted just your, your overall sense of glamor in general. You have to, you have to out here. They send you right back to Florida. Yeah. They're like, wait, I only see a four pack. Get the yeah, fuck no, out of no, here. no, 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 yeah. no. It's a, it's a five minimum. Five minimum city. Yeah. New York. What's New York then? What, a, a quarter keg of beer? It's that's like a, a two. I think it's a two. <laughs> that's, our, that's our minimum. <laughs> so, Benny, who do you like in this matchup? Pet Sounds, Thriller. I'm easy, Pet Sounds, on this one. I told you, for the same as Chris brought up in the beginning of this, I consider Thriller like one of the classic pop albums of all time. But I can't really, in good faith, vote for it, especially in a tightly contested matchup like this. Like, there's just something easily that tips the scales here for me. So, Pet Sounds, yeah. Yeah, it's 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 one of those things where it's like, it kind of feels like Thriller has become, like, a lost great record. Because I can't, yeah. I can't really even hear it anymore, you know? <laughs> Yeah, it's it's strange. Like a cloud is now just over that album. Yeah. Yeah. At any time like I'm at a show and somebody plays any Michael Jackson song like over the PA, especially if it's my show, I'm like I'm going to have to go to the sound <laughs> booth right now and ask them to stop doing this. It's like what what every British person for the last 30 years has been doing when they hear Gary Glitter playing right. American yeah, exactly. football stadiums and they're like you 
You guys fucking kidding me? You know the story here? Yeah. Yeah, exactly. So given the way our voting's been going, Thriller's going to win this one easily. Anyway. What's your vote, man? <laughs> See, it's tough... It's tough for me to go with Pet Sounds. Michael Jackson Thriller, you know, you know, we talk a lot of, about how, like, records that have impacted modern culture. Who has impacted hip-hop and where it holds it in the modern zeitgeist more than Michael Jackson? For all the faults and, and all of that, got to go with Thriller here as being uh, meaning more in 2020. I love it. I love it, Tommy. I, I, I understand. I understand that. Yeah. <laughs> all right. Now we're moving on. Uh, London Calling, Rise and Fall of Ziggy. Re-listened to Rise and Fall of Ziggy because I honestly wasn't getting the appeal of it for a lot of people. Listen to it. I mean, it's going to be a tough match up here. London Calling, one of my favorite records. Chris, how you feeling here? Okay, so, uh, you know, I'm having to reveal something about myself is that I am not as well-versed in The Clash as I am in David Bowie. And I feel... Like, definitely, like, based on my, the crowd I roll with, it, it feels, even to me, surprising that I still have not, like, latched on to The Clash. And I think it's still something that will happen to me, like, like uh, Fleetwood Mac's Rumors, I didn't, didn't really, like, connect with until I was, like, 28 or something. Yeah. And uh, so, uh, I think, for me, it's going to have to go to David Bowie, because I kind of, my mom had that record when I was growing up, and... It was just kind of around a lot, and I, I do like The Clash, but I, I I don't have that in me yet. I don't know if this magical moment's coming, because I feel like you're going to have to get like younger and edgier and a little more revolutionary to like, okay, a new I, I, run with London College. That happens to me every day. <laughs> Wait, yeah, Chris, so, I mean, this actually could happen. I mean, you're not Thank quite you. there yet, and as somebody who's... Yeah, pretty much in the middle of it. You might have a midlife crisis that could lead <laughs> Thank to, you. Uh, you know, a couple new earrings. And, Thank you. You know, Wait, something so like that, where all of a sudden, 38-year-old Chris Farron buys a motorcycle, gets a couple tattoos, and starts listening to London Calling. I could see it. But wouldn't I would say Clash isn't one of those bands that I've... I have never heard anybody say, like, the Clash doesn't hold up. You know, that's true. Yeah. You would always still be able to appreciate it. I mean, like I, I'm never going to get into no effects. I know that. <laughs> I know that for sure. Uh, right. The only reason I like Enema of the State is because I was, you know, 12 or 10 or whatever when it came out. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, that's true. Maybe in this in this context. I'm not giving London Calling enough credit as, <laughs> as putting it as a midlife crisis record. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, I mean, it's true, because we even talked about it on the podcast when we introduced it, was the only way for records like this to stand up, you know, they make their impact when they come out right. for a variety of reasons, like the political context and the cultural context. Yeah. But these records are going to go away if the musicianship and the songs aren't there. You know, it's right. like... And that's what I was saying, where, like, the Sex Pistols, I think, as time goes on, are going to slide a little more into obscurity, yeah. and a little more of, like, just a, an icon, and right. the Clash are going to stay as, like, a very legitimate moving rock band, and that's just because there's actual songs and right. real musicians playing and writing those songs. Yeah, so, yeah. I agree. Yeah, the door's still open, Chris. Yeah, the door's <laughs> open for me. 
right, so get that motorcycle. <laughs> In this one, I mean, for as much as, you know, I brought up how much I love London Calling, uh, we've, we've talked a lot in this competition about how... Uh, there's records that change the trajectory of what someone's going to do. When we talk about Purple Rain, we talked about Prince before Purple Rain and Prince after Purple Rain. Bowie after this, to the moon, icon status. So for that reason and that reason alone, yeah. you've got to put Bowie through here. Yeah. I go London calling for me. <laughs> and, yeah. you know, this was, it's a tight matchup. And I've heard some posthumous interviews with David Bowie where he said some phenomenal things about kind of like the world that actually happened and stuff like that. They interviewed I... a dead David Bowie? <laughs> yeah, it's a Holocaust. Holy shit. <laughs> it's crazy. <laughs> this is why I said posthumously, Chris. Um, but I also found out about this small segment of his career where he played like the tall man. And or whatever, the dark man or something, and he is like reading fascist literature in a weird suit, and it was like another one of his characters that kind of failed that everyone Yikes. sort of gives him a pass on. Yikes! You know, yeah, we talked about uh, canceling Michael Jackson. Yo, that's why I'm bringing <laughs> yeah. it up. I got to be fair here. Like, like some people do get a pass for some weird transgressions, you know. And Bowie, I can't even believe that in all this time I've watched extremely progressive people shout, you know, the praises of David Bowie. I'd never heard about this before. All right. Halfway through our matchups here, Bringing It All Back Home by Bob Dylan versus the Ramones self-titled album, the debut album. Chris, where are you standing here? I am going to, again, I have to admit that I, and this is a, a maybe not, oh, who cares? Uh, this, <laughs> maybe this is not expected, but. <laughs> I'm also not very much a, a Bob Dylan person yet, let's say. And I think I, and I have kind of loved the Ramones for a while, a long time. And I think there is some kind of just like simple, brilliant artistry to their songwriting, especially on this record. Yeah. yeah it's like, it's like cinematic pop punk or something. And Chris, do you know that this record costs $6,500 to record? That's amazing. I I could record all the records I've ever made for that. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, I mean to imagine like like four kids from Queens recording a record for $6500 and it maintaining the impact it's had yeah. like, through the years. It's just like it's almost perfect. Yeah, There's yeah, no way sure. I'm voting against this record. I love Bob Dylan. <laughs> And what do you think of his new seventeen-minute-long song? Did you hear? It? You know, I should have listened. I should have listened to it to prepare to prepare for this, but I have I have still yet to listen. But I I bet I wouldn't mind it. I, nah, I think I could I could do it. I think you'll like it. I think you'll like it. Maybe have like a, a brandy while you're drinking it or something. Yeah, I'll, while, I'll start. You're... I'll start drinking again for the new Bob Dylan song. <laughs> the Ramones would never record a 17-minute song about the assassination of JFK. That's the only it's true for that and many other reasons. You got to put the Ramones through here. Yeah, yeah, that's a fact. That's a fact. So, so now we gotta. I don't know when Bob Dylan slides into your life now. Where's his window? I mean, he's you know, I, 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 could, I, I yeah, I think I have I have many years to go. He's just gonna wind up on your iPod in like eight years. He's yeah. gonna go U two style. He's gonna make yeah. a pop record when Post Malone is like thirty and trying oh to branch out. He's gonna bring in, he's gonna bring in Bob. I'd listen. To he's gonna it be the new sure. Andre Bucelli, where he's just out here singing with Lady Gaga. Yeah. 
Yeah. What yeah. if Bob uh, took that turn later in life? Like later in life. life. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Like I think that's an understatement. <laughs> Wait, was he seventies? He's about to be doing some posthumous interviews, if you ask me. <laughs> well, you better, you better get on your Bob Dylan face. <laughs> Bob uh, Dylan, 78 years old. So, Chris, you got the Ramones here. Yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm going Ramones. I also have the Ramones. Danny? Same. Got to go with the Ramones here. Love All right. it. All right, last matchup here. Both kind of uh, uh, rock operas concept albums here we have green days american idiot versus purple rain by prince tough one here uh for me not hard to decide between the best prince record and the fifth best green day record. <laughs> 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 so right, i'm gonna so what's, go the, with, uh, what's the top four <laughs> well all right maybe maybe uh let's see i think my favorite is my favorite might be nimrod actually yeah okay then Fair. Dookie. Sure. Then Warning. Wow. And then the one in the, what's it called? Insomniac? No. Yeah. Yes? Yes. Yeah. And, uh-huh. and, and then American Idiot. Wow. I can't believe you have Warning over this record. And then, oh, oh, wait, wait. One through three are Uno, Dos, and Trace. <laughs> and then and then all those, yeah. I'm I'm a little surprised here. Why do you not like that record so much? I think it's good. I just, it, it, it came at a time when I was already over Green Day. Right, right. And I was kind of moving into like, when I started listening to like, fucking Bright Eyes and Cursive and like that kind of stuff. And so I was kind of out of pop punk. And then they put out a record that I kind of thought was corny. Yes. And like, yeah, I, it just felt a little corny to me. At the time, and I think if there's parts of it that that have aged well, right? Uh, and it's, I think it is a good record, and it's it's definitely a better record than I initially gave it credit for. But it's still, I mean, it's just there's no way it's better than Purple Rain. Exactly. So it's funny what you said too, because my contention for putting this record on the list is sort of the exact reason you didn't like it. Because uh, <laughs> I, you know, from from my estimation at that point, like. Green Day had their rise, right? You know, right. they became mega superstars, stadium-sized, whatever. And then they did a record that tailed off and a record right. that tailed off even more. And they were in one of those, like, unique positions that I think very few bands have been able to come over, which is, like, a complete reinvention. You yeah. know, where you basically sound different, look different, you're kind of thematically different, you know, going from like little kid masturbation songs to like <laughs> literally like the the George Bush record as it's you know kind of is in like American culture. Right. And at my age I had given up on Green Day too. And then that record came out and I was like, oh that's like undeniable. Like and it's making a huge impact and that's why it should be on the list. But yeah. you had gone the way of it's just not good at all. You know what's funny about the way you said that was <laughs> You said, like, yeah, you know, I started listening to, like, Bright Eyes. I thought you were going to say, like, Hatebreed or something. No, like no, the way no. You said it, the way you said it was, like, I started listening to really hardcore stuff. <laughs> <laughs> but, yeah, yeah, I, I, my, my tone was, was in acknowledgement of that the thing I'm about to say is not, like, some 
incredible like moving piece of music but but it's just a, a shift in tone and, and yeah, aesthetic yeah, yeah. Yeah. now what do you love about purple rain it's just so fun to kind of hear a fucking genius at work you know and like yeah. and make music that is not like too heady like it's i love yeah, the fact right. that like when like really incredibly talented musicians smart people make records that don't necessarily like showcase their like technical skill as much as mm. just their their like restraint and their yes, like yes. their cr- their craft and their like their yeah so that's that's kind of where I'm at with this one that's a really good point about that record cuz yeah yeah i mean you can hear it like at just various times on the record where you can almost hear his ability to burst through the part he's playing right but but maybe that's why the part is so good it's like it's like the drummer from Weezer or something. It's like you're always waiting for this like thing to maybe happen. It doesn't happen, yeah. but it's just perfect anyway. Right, um, right. You can tell he's underplaying. Yeah, 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 that's a good point, man. I never thought about that. And then, I mean, do you think any time in your life you could pull up like a full concept album with a film and like actually play it serious enough and stuff to put it out? Because, I mean, you've kind of been on your way a little bit. You know, thank you so much for asking. <laughs> uh, I think I, you know, I, I bet it's in me. I don't have the idea for it yet, but I think I think I could unlock that. That's awesome. Can Maybe I a... secure myself as an extra? Yes, absolutely. If you have like a scene that requires, I don't know what I could be cast as these days. Like thug number three or something. Could, hey, I'll give you thug number two. Whoa! Okay. Oh, good. Now, Maybe I'll get my SAG credits back up. I need that insurance. <laughs> <laughs> Benny, you messed up the negotiation there. You want to get producer credits, man. You got to get the residual income. Got to get those yeah, checks coming uh, in, bro. <laughs> uh, Chris yeah. ain't giving me that. I know no, I, I, I will not do Listen, that. Chris, Chris is playing funny here. He knows what's up. He's not doing that. <laughs> the guy won't even bring a band anymore. He knows what's going on. <laughs> Hey, Chris, thanks, yes. man. Thanks for having yeah, that, me. This was so much fun. That was awesome, man. Thank you so much for the time. Uh, this is where I'd ask if you have any dates to promote, but we're all in quarantine. so you have yeah. any, uh, Do you have any IG Live gigs to promote? Actually, you know what? On on uh, April 10th, I'm doing one on Audio Trees uh, Instagram, so that's awesome. a thing. Nice. And then it, allegedly, hopefully in January, I'm going on tour in the in the United Kingdom and Europe. So I'll be there in January. You're in doing January. that with does that be foul? Yep, that is with the Brian Fallon. Nice. Very nice. Yeah. Just like Very old fun. times. Just like old times. Big thanks to Chris there. Plenty of ways to get in contact with the show. You can email us at thetuneuppodcast at gmail.com. You can follow us at thetuneuphq on Twitter and Instagram. Be sure to vote there. It's getting down to it. And no no funny business. I swear if American Idiot gets through again over Purple Rain, this whole thing's for nonsense. Bruce is just going to run straight on roughshod all through this whole thing. Made made Sergeant Pepper look like light work. Oh, it's sad. It, it's really sad. But you... You brought up to me the other day that if if we get a, a final, and I'm not sure if it's going to happen because I haven't looked at the bracket, but if we get a final of Born to Run and Rumors, it's just, we're just done. Like, we're just not doing this anymore. Yeah, yeah, we've pretty much pigeonholed ourselves as the uh, 
most vanilla fucking <laughs> podcast in the history of humanity if that happens it, it was funny <laughs> I, I i was texting with a guest on the last episode steve russian about it i'm like sergeant pepper only, only got 12 percent of the vote he blamed it on new jersey you're like these are the same people that voted for chris christie so i was like okay Oh, he went there. He went not there. incorrect. Not oh, incorrect. I was like, listen, it's the e- electricity tax. Thomas Edison gave the world electricity. You own New Jersey continues to pay for it a little bit a day at a time. Yeah, well, at least we gave you Danny DeVito too, you know? <laughs> and you can follow that man himself. He's Benny Horowitz. You can follow him at Benny Horowitz one on Twitter. Number one in your minds, number one in your hearts, number one on Twitter. And he's also Benny Horowitz, just first name, last name. Easy enough on the Instagram. I am at Denny underscore Gallagher on Twitter. And, yeah, Benny, you got anything else to add? I hope uh, I hope Tom Brady is comfortable in his new 30,000-foot palace <laughs> that Derek Jeter provided to him. Love the rich people shit while this is going on. Everyone have a good week. Take care of each other. Everyone love everybody. Big thanks again to Chris Farron. This has been The Tune-Up.